We'll go through a few points that maybe are extra uh, worth to put attention to with regard to Purim. Um, so we'll start off with the, uh, the reading of the Megillah, a few points. So the reader is the one who has a kosher Megillah. When he, the kosher Megillah is, you know, the letters have to be written on a parchment in a proper way. And that sometimes, you know, a lot of the older Megillahs, they'll have cracked letters, you know, here and there. If they're not taken care of properly or they're very old, that doesn't necessarily automatically invalidate the Megillah for, uh, for using. But if it's missing various words, um, certain amount, depends if it's a full concept or it's in the beginning of the Megillah or the very end, right, or, or, made, or a full concept of its own, that would invalidate the whole Megillah. So, you know, some of these very old Megillahs where, where almost every letter, well, 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 some of these very old Megillahs where there are lots of cracks in them and sometimes part of the letters are falling off, it's not an absolute guarantee that you can, you know, make a bracha on that Megillah. If there's a question, you'd have to show it to someone. Um, now, the person, the reader who reads from the Megillah, who makes the bracha, there's three brachas that he recites. And uh, Shulchanach chapter Tafresh Sadiq, uh, 690, talks about how the reader has to have kavana. He has to have intention to fulfill for those who are listening. For, you know, that he's having intention for all the people who are listening to him. And the listeners also need to have kavana to fulfill their obligation. It's actually an absolute requirement, even by the avid, that there's kavana, uh, intention. So, for example, if a guy's just reading, but he isn't paid, he's reading the words perfectly, but he's not following what, is, what he's doing, so it's not a, so, so that's, that's essential to the fulfillment of the mitzvah, that he has that understanding. So if it was the reader, he, he knows he's reading, it's Megillah, it's Purim, yeah. And this is for this mitzvah, the rabbinical mitzvah. And the, the, the listener, if you have somebody and you tell them, well, listen, listen, we're going to read the Megillah quickly. You know, you want people to uh, participate in this mitzvah, even people, you have to explain to them what this mitzvah is. If somebody is not uh, necessarily so observant, to say the least, you have to have them understand that they are going to be listening to the Megillah, the story of Esther. And it's a mitzvah that we, we, we read this Megillah and we do it on the night and we do it on the day of Purim, the 14th of other, every year, etc. So they have to have that general kavana. Um, so, so, okay. Now, it's also it's interesting when we're talking about, you know, reading, if you miss one word, if the reader missed uh, saying the word, or he mispronounced a, a word in a way where it would change its meaning, you know, real change the meaning, or, you know, he's, you know he somehow skipped, or it wasn't heard, he said it, but someone didn't hear. Even though they heard everything else, they didn't fulfill the mitzvah. So, so sometimes people want to read together with the reader, and they're not so fluent with the reading of the words. It wouldn't be proper for them to be reading with the reader at the same time, even if they have a kosher megill, because normally if you don't have a kosher megill, you just listen. But even if you have a kosher megill, you know, to read for the words, you have to know how to read the words properly, because if you mispronounce one of them, you're not listening to the reader at that moment, you also lose out on the, the, the mitzvah. So it's very important that the reading should be done. You know, if you are, you know, the reader knows how, has to know how to read properly, the pronunciation properly, uh, the stopping and pausing in the psukim, etc. That should be done properly. And if persons fall in long, if it's proper for them to say it out loud, they need to be familiar, very familiar with the proper pronunciation of the words, etc. Um, there's also an interesting question 
Again, and even if one word was missing, they didn't fulfill the obligation. There's an interesting question um, that started already a long, old debate, which was if you need to, um, to hear the Megillah reading from the voice of the reader, or it's enough to hear from a live uh, recording, or like a Zoom meeting, or, or maybe even from a, a microphone. Like, let's say you have lots of people in the room, and not everyone can hear, so they want to amplify the noise, the, the voice, you know, and, and make a reading. So there was, here and there, different, uh, over the years, different opinions of certain rabbis who felt maybe certain types of amplifications maybe are okay. But the, the conclusion and the, the mainstream bottom line is that anything other than the natural voice that you're hearing from the person in life, in real life in person, is just not their voice. Even if it's, you know, by them speaking, you know, the, the, the imitation or the mimicking that the recording or the amplifying does, as good as it will be, even if it's alive or it's a microphone, it, it creates a new sound, a new entity. And the halachic requirement of hearing when the Torah or when, when Chazal tell us that you need to hear the voice of the person, this just doesn't do it. Whether it's for hearing the Megillah, even Kaddish and all these things, you, you know, you, you can listen to someone say Kaddish on Zoom or something, but, but you know, you can't make a minion based on such a method, right? And no one would fulfill their obligation listening to a Megillah or any of those things, etc. Um, if a person was making, uh, you know, all types of ritual requirements, halachic Jewish requirements, they cannot be substituted with electronic means. When the Torah or when Chazal tell us that you need to hear the voice of the person, it just doesn't, it doesn't, you can't, you can't substitute that because it's not the voice of a person. There's a famous letter from the Lubavitch Rebbe and many, many, many postcards say this exact same idea is that whatever the electronic method you're hearing is just not the voice of the person and therefore it's, a, it's, it's, it's a substitute it and you just don't, you don't fulfill that obligation with it. And those who, who felt otherwise, they didn't understand the, it's science, or they didn't understand the technology or the like. Um, another point is that, um, re, you know, on Purim, there are four mitzvahs. We have the mitzvah of reading the Megillah during the day. We have to, well, the night till we start off with, and we read again during the day. We have the mitzvah of Mishloch Manos. We send two uh, foods or something of that uh, food or drink, a proper amount, at least the size of an olive size, right? preferably each one should be at least the size of a kazais and all sizes, uh, to a person, food that is ready to eat, right? That's the shalach monos, you only have to send to one man. Man sends to a man, woman sends to a woman, right? That's just one person, you fulfill that mitzvah. Then you have the mitzvah of mitanas of yon, we have to give to poor people, you have to give to two poor people. So many poskim say that today, at the moment, things change always, uh, that uh, about $7, you can fulfill the mitzvah of Matanus of Yonim because the idea is that you want to buy a meal for someone. So $7, uh, again, it depends which place they live in, but give or take, the idea is that Matanus of Yonim you could fulfill by roughly uh, a meal. Now, of course, there's opinions that say you could even give less than a meal. There's opinions that say that you could give... Uh, you know, much, uh, much less than that, but to, to be on the safe side, it's probably proper to, especially for an adult, they should give at least the size of a meal for Matasiyon times two, and give or take uh, uh, $7 times two, $14, two different individuals. 
And um, there are, you know, times when people will say it's difficult to find, you know, who am I giving the proper poor person and I have to give them cash, what, what I don't have cash, how can I give? Or if, I don't know if I'll find them on the day of Purim, etc. So there is a, you can always give more stuck on Purim, it's a good, good thing. And so the more the better, right? But sometimes it's maybe good to just pre-give the money to a organization. I personally gave to an organization where they distribute the money on the day of Purim. So I electronically uh, donated the amount of how much is for Metanasef Yonim per person. And that is the intent. It's going to be distributed to, was it, this was an organization in Israel, where that money will go give those recipients on the day of Purim. So although I gave the money now, I'm not giving it on the day of Purim, but they're acting as a shliach, a messenger on my behalf, so that I'll be able to fulfill the mitzvah properly. Me or anyone who, who partakes in these types of methods, and sometimes they're just, just pragmatically or simply the best uh, option for many, unless you know and you, you, you're, you're, you can find more poor people on the day, so then you give extra, fine, by all means, but this definitely you will fulfill your obligation. This is not like what we mentioned, where you need to have the voice of the person or something that needs to be done. You, you don't have to hand it to them. You can actually, in this case, the matanas of yonim, the intent is that it should be given, and it should be given on your behalf from your money, and it should be on the day of poor, even if you transfer the money ahead of time, they'll act as your shliach, so this is okay, that's, that's not a problem. Um, and then I'll finish off. Oh, and then of course we have Metzah we have the Shachmanis, we have the Merigila reading, and then we have the Suda. And the Suda, not to mistake, is not something where people feel that you have to mamish, get drunk, and shikur. Um, you know, there is the Gemara, there's a famous Gemara in Megillah. Uh, yeah, it's a Dav Zayin, I believe, where it says on 7a, talks about the Chayev Inish Lib Sumi Yada bin Haman Mordechai. That the person should be drunk, that they can't tell the difference between blessed is Mordechai and cursed is Haman. And that's the Gemara. And there's different, and it's brought in Shulchanach. It is brought in Shulchanach. The question, the question comes, what is it, you know, normally where are we commanded? Torah is commanding us to get drunk. Or the rabbis, the rabbis, the sages are commanding us to get drunk. Being drunk is not, uh, we find, we look in Tanakh, we look in the Chumash, we already find all types of bad things that come through being drunk. So there's different explanations. What if it means getting drunk means mamish uh, not not the intent to be intoxicated where you're where you're uh, you know getting sick and stuff like that. Not not at all. There's different opinions about like the Ramah, the famous Ramah in the Shulchanach. He says that you fall asleep a little bit, you get a little drowsy, and and, and therefore it will be difficult to be able to tell the difference of the question if it was asked you. There's a Yerushalmi on the, the Tosis brings a Yerushalmi that brings a whole, the, the difference between knowing Brucha Esther, the Arura Zeresh, you know, the wife of, of Haman, and then, and then Brucha Yehudim, etc. The whole extra thing where if you can't tell the difference of that, that you fulfill this mitzvah. But of course, the mitzvah really is, is the Su'uda, which needs to be done during the daytime, not after sunset on the day of Purim, which this year is on Tuesday. But regardless of that, even if a person, you know, to fulfill this, uh, you know, to have um, some extra yayin or alcohol, one should be very careful with this matter, particularly when it comes to younger people, teenagers and the like. It can be very dangerous and it's not at all suggested for people who are minors. Maybe they have a little, you know, supervised uh, according to what is fitting, but one has to be very careful in this matter. Drunk drivers, people get sick. From this and the like, I'll just quote the Kitzur Shulchanach, chapter 32, Sif Yud Ches, 
where he mentions there about, look it up, it's very interesting, that the wine uh, has in it good uh, qualities, that it can help you for your digest, and it's actually better for certain older people. But it concludes over there that wine is good for zkening, umazik lenarim. It's good for older people, but it's very bad for younger people. Because in the wording of the Kitzur Shochanach, lefishim ha'chom ha'tv, it it arouses the heat in, of the nature of the person. It's moisiv eshalish. It adds fire unto fire. Whatever those exact words mean, but we understand that alcohol and the like, whether it's wine or this or that, is not good for for younger people. And the Kitzur Shochanach even concludes over there and says that if the person's under twenty one, he's not going after a law. He's just saying that one should be extra careful. Um, particularly when someone is under the age of Esrim Va'achas, 21. And the Rebbe also was known to say that on Purim, he made a famous Gezerah, Takana, a rule that you know, the people cannot get drunk. To, you, know, you know, Saying L'chaim is one thing, getting drunk is another thing. And you have to be very careful about it, even on Purim as well. So we should be able to fulfill all the mitzvahs, Behidr, Besimcha, and the Kibbutz Yehudim, we should receive it in, in a way where it should bring joy to ourselves and to others, bring Mashiach, and of course, Chashem, never to, of course, bring out anything negative on days of Purim. Chaim.